What the... What is this place? What's your name, honey? Uh, I'm Joe. I teach middle school band. Cotty, go for it! Today started out as the best day of my life. Back here tonight, first show's at 7. Yes! Woohoo! You know what that's gonna say? Joe Gardner! <laughs> I did it! I got the gig! Must have been sudden for you. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Look It All podcast. This is your host, Elias Rush. Today we're discussing Soul 2020, an American computer animated fantasy comedy drama film produced by Pixar Animated Studios and released by Walt Disney Studios. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRushMedia.com, photo, video, digital media production. This movie is directed by Pete Docter. Now we know Pete Docter pretty well from Pixar's previous films, uh, such as Monsters Inc., Up, Inside Out, and now Soul. I love generally the majority of Pixar Animated Studios' um, uh, work. I mean, we have uh, works as high praise and as detailed as Coco, bringing us into. Uh, the Mexican Spanish uh, realm of the Day of the Dead and having really in depth uh, emotional and emotionally gripping um, movies such as Inside Out. And I feel like each one of Pete Doctor's performances or each one of his uh, uh, films or animated films have been like a step in progressing in just perfecting his skill of being the the guy that you go to at Pixar Animation that you just know has the emotional ties and has the emotional pull. This guy is very talented in those areas. And on top of bringing an amazing look, I just think that Pixar puts a lot of detail into what they do with uh, the majority of their films. And so this movie is uh, co-directed by Kemp Powers. Now, I'll give a little bit more explanation about Kemp Powers. I'm not really too familiar with who Kemp is as a, um, a film screenwriter and playwright, but um, he's known for his work on One Night in Miami, um, the 2020 film adaptation of the same name, um, and then Star Trek Discovery and now Soul. He was originally asked to uh, help make sure that the detailed, you know, the background details of this main character who happens to be black um, made sense and that they were correct. And Kemp Powers ended up becoming such an influential part of this, um, you know, of this uh, movie that he is now... Uh, on here as co uh, co director, so this stars Jamie Fox, Tina Fey, Graham Norton, Rachel House, Alicia Braga, um, Richard uh, Ayoid. Um, is that how you saw it? Ayoid, Ayoid. I don't know how to say his name. Sorry about that. Felicia Rashad, uh, Donnell Rawlings, and Questlove, as well as Angela Bassett. Um, the story follows a middle school. I don't. I, I'm gonna kind of. Uh, be tiptoeing around the plot 
for those that didn't see the, the trailer because there's kind of like this big thing that happens within the first few minutes of the uh, movie that completely change what you think the movie could be about. And so if you haven't seen the trailer, then it's kind of nice to have that reveal. But um, I'll see if I can um, see. Okay, so yeah, I, I think they, they give the synopsis in a way that makes sense, that it doesn't completely... Um, change the direction of understanding so we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about the plot of the movie um as spoiler free as we can um so the story follows a middle school uh music teacher named joe gardner who seeks to reunite his soul and his body after they are accidentally separated just before his big break as a jazz musician and so there is a lot going on in this movie, um, to say the least. Let's kind of cover it by the basics real quick. Um, let me see what we got. Okay, so, all right. Doctor began developing this uh, film in 2016, um, working on his contemplations on the origins of human personalities and the concept of determinism. He co-wrote the screenplay with Mike Jones and Powers, Kent Powers. The film's producers consulted uh, various jazz musicians, uh, including Herbie Hancock and Terry Lynn Carrington. Um, and animated its musical sequences using the sessions of John Batiste, who originally, uh, who created the original compositions for the film um, as reference. Soul is the first Pixar film to feature an, an African-American protagonist. I know some people are a little bit weird about saying African-American versus black, so I'm just, um, I'm just going to stick with uh, black. Okay, so um, what do we have? Soul premiered at the London Film Festival October 11th, 2020, originally intended its uh, theatrical re release in the United States. The film was released to, to stream on Disney Plus on Christmas, the 25th of 2020, and uh, theatrically released in countries without the streaming service. It received highly positive reviews from critics with praise for its animation story voice acting and music i gotta say all of those are correct everything that uh that we just read off of wiki is absolutely correct i think from the look to the sound to the story basics it hits on all cylinders it's if you know pixar then you know these are their their bread and butter you know that when you go to an Italian restaurant, that their their uh, pizza and that their uh, chicken parmesan and all of their stuff is going to taste good. But you know that when you go to that type of place, you know that when you go to Pixar, those these are going to be the uh, positive aspects of the movies. So, of their movies specifically, 
Um, so anything else we got to go that from the music, it it has this nice divide between Trent Reznor, this synthy undertone of this uh, new world, uh, and Atticus Ross. They they kind of go ha hand in hand, and they just did Mank actually, and I was not that crazy about their score on Mank. I thought it was a little bit more whimsical and didn't have as much focus for me. But to be honest, I really enjoyed the hell out of uh, the stuff that they were producing here. So. Let me see. Yeah, this was written by Pete Doctor, Mike Jones. Uh, who? Mike Jones? No, not that Mike Jones. Uh, this is a Pixar Mike Jones. Actually, not too, as familiar with this guy, but I'll try to keep an eye on. Um, let's see if I can find anything that he did. Uh, senior story writer on studio animated feature Soul and Lucia. I guess I have not heard of Lucia. Okay, so let's continue on to cinematography. Matt Asbury and Ian Megan uh, Meg Megbean, I guess I'm not sure. Kevin Nodling did the editing. Um, yeah, I did like the editing in this. To be honest, this was uh, uh, extremely well edited from a technical standpoint. It, when it's bringing these two worlds of this musician, 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 I can't say musician musician i guess i don't know whatever fuck it <laughs> um um uh when it's transferring jamie fox in between um you know this 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 world and so uh anything else that i gotta say before we the the cons of the movie is i will say in comparison to the other movies that the uh soul franchise is actually known for doing or not the soul franchise the uh pixar franchise is known for doing uh let me see if i can pull up a list of all the movies that they've done real quick it they are extremely notable for just having a an exuberant amount of amazing franchises that you know just have pumped out movies um, and television series. I mean, here we go. We got Toy Story, Finding, uh, sorry, Toy Story, four movies, two TV shows, Monsters, Inc., two movies, one te uh, one television show, Finding Nemo, two movies, Incredibles, two movies, Cars, three movies, one television show. Like, this is pretty incre incredible to, uh, uh, incredible. This is pretty impressive to, um, to have under their belt. And they, haven't exactly gone hog wild with having you know tons and tons of franchises and stuff as they could very well have i mean they create worlds within these um movies that they make and uh yeah just very um they're, they're impressive to watch and normally when they release something they're always on the uh a tier above the average animated company animation company um yeah, I think, you know, let's see. Yeah, so from the movie, from from the world building, from the story, I think it's all really strong. The My only issue with this movie is, well, there's, there's a couple issues that you can only really discuss in the, um, in the spoiler section. But, you know, to, you know, to be quick with it, um, to be honest, it really... It, yeah, you, you got to talk about it in the spoiler section. There's a part about it that you 
that some people are going to have to grasp with like if they if they can get over this one part which is kind of at the beginning of the movie it is at the beginning of the movie um then you'll be okay with it and then there's another part that has to do with uh, it's it's very hard to talk about to be honest but we are not going to um you know hide this behind the patreon wall we're kind of feeling um like a giving season right now is is pretty good so All right. Damn, this was an expensive ass movie. Only made seven million on oh, Atlanta. So this movie probably would have made a buck ton if it was released in the States. I know that it's released internationally in some territories, but I'm not even sure what the, the deal is with the movie movies across um you know the state or sorry, across internationally, globally. Um so let me say it's run uh runtime of 106 minutes was an hour a little over an hour and a half um yeah budget of 150 million feels about that i don't really know what that would be in comparison to the other pixar studio animated movies i'm, I'm not really here to, to talk about the the technicals of how much it costs because i think it looked like a million bucks and i think the detail in it can not be understated enough and so let's go ahead and uh hop into the plot and the spoilers for this movie we'll talk about this way more in detail and just keep in mind this is what is normally released on the patreon page uh, patreon.com slash look it up podcast where you can get all the new movie reviews you'll actually get uh, reviews early you get um, access to early reviews you get access to older reviews you get access to animated re uh, reviews uh, uh, not not my animated but reviews on animated shows so just to be clear about that I'm not that good I'm not that talented yet but you know maybe one day um, yeah so check out uh, the patreon.com slash look at our podcast to help out um, help us out um, let me get this real quick before we hop into the spoiler section. Oh my goodness. Well, sorry, I had to answer the phone. Um, all right, let's talk about the plot. Now, like I said, remember, this is normally for Patreon. But you know what? I'm feeling just generous. Just a little generous this year. Or right now, I don't know. So, here's the plot. Joe Gardner... By the way, this is a spoiler section as well. Joe Gardner, a middle school teacher, feels stuck in life and unfulfilled at his job. He dreams of a career in jazz to which his seamstress mother, Liba, objects, fearing that he will not financially secure. Uh, sorry, he will not be financially secure. By chance, his former student, Curly, informs him of an opening in the band of jazz legend Dorothea Williams. Joe impresses Dorothea with his piano playing and is offered the job on the spot, entering, quote-unquote, the zone while doing so, as Joe happily leads off to prepare for his first performance later that night. This is where the big spoiler happens. He falls down a manhole. So... The problem lies right here. 
for for generally the first round of people that have problems with this movie is that animated characters of people of color are not generally shown for the past, you know, um, 20, 30, 40 ever years, you know? So when we are represented on screen, it's important to have some representation that matters and is and has longevity to it. The problem that people have with Soul at this point in the plot is the fact that Joe Gardner is just being starting to be fully realized as a character. And by the way, I think the animation, the detail from him being shown as a teacher to how, you know, how people are acting in school to the um, to his mother, to her friends and just the, the, the fine details in this movie are just chef's kiss moi. You know, it's uh, it's fantastic to watch and it's uh, feels uh, it feels detailed as in the same way that Coco did. If anyone watched Coco or didn't remember what Coco did uh, for uh, many of their scenes, they were extremely detailed as well. I don't know if uh, I don't think this is a spoiler. There's one scene where Coco, uh, there's this like uh, mother character is it's it's known as in uh, Spanish culture for the mother to grab the shoe of uh, grab her shoe and like throw it at her son or throw it at her kid or throw it at her uh, husband or something like that. You know, to to kind of be way more expressive, um, you know, than uh, you know, than you would expect. But um, yeah, I've, I felt like the detail in that is shown in this as well. And so when we have a person of color shown on screen in animated form, yeah, it, uh, it becomes kind of difficult when this character falls down a manhole and technically becomes, uh, I don't know, not dead, but he... Uh, essentially is no longer his character anymore especially in that body so i did hear people talk about that and i didn't quite realize how often this had happened i know that there's that will smith pigeon movie where he turned into um when he turned into to like a super spy into a pigeon and then there is i guess if you think about coco that you know is kind of in the same realm i never really thought about it i guess in that context but i guess it is a little bit right but I, to be honest i don't feel like this this movie is not like joe gardner falls down a manhole and we never see his character again it's joe gardner falls down a manhole and is transported into a completely different world. Well, you know, relatively. Um, but we are introduced into his quote unquote culture in as he is living in New York, you know, his culture behind jazz, his life, his history. There's a lot of things about, um, uh, Joe Gardner that are very specific to where he's located and what he does that I think are explored even after the fact that he falls down a manhole. So let's continue. 
Um, let me make sure that my computer's not dying. I know that, um, I know ironically we're talking about soul and my computer's dying. Um, <laughs> I had to unplug the, the, the editing controller. Um, so let's see. Joe finds himself as a soul heading into the great beyond, unwilling to die before his big break. Um, he tries to escape, but ends up in the great before. So at the beginning, he's seeing the great beyond. I want to say the visuals. Oh my gosh, the 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 transferring. First of all, the entire plot of um, I'm going to rewind a little bit. Joe ends up saying when he gets that uh, when he's about to get this spot with uh, Dorothea Williams, or when he gets basically the go ahead with Dorothea Williams, and he jumps out of the jazz club. Uh, you know, he said, you know, look at me, dad. And it's just like a quick, a quick, like one or two second scene. It's not even, uh, it's not shown very long, but it really struck me the second time I was watching this. And I was like, wow, you know, he's still talking to his, uh, pops, you know, I, I can actually, um, uh, I can relate to that a lot. I, I lost my pops this year, so. Um, I can definitely see this guy, even at that age, pulling that and saying, you know what, I'm I'm going to pursue my dreams and you're going to watch me. And it's just something powerful to see. And so when he's going through all this, um, he falls down the manhole. There's this editing that goes from, I believe that he's going from his body into this like black and white 2d animation to this 3d blue body it is just fantastic to watch i just love watching the transformation and the fact that you're just seeing this big light of like stars all combining together and the people that are uh you know are on the way some of them are more willing than others to to you know combine together it's like everyone's on this like escalator going into the stairway of heaven into this big light and when they're shown to do it they like transfer to these balls and they go into the damn the shiny thing and uh, the, the big light they go into the light and they're like and it's just like they're gone and i love his reaction <laughs> you know jamie fox's voice just really uh, in, encapsulates what's going on. He's like, "Oh God, no, I don't want to go." You know, he, he's like, "I'm too. You know, I got stuff to do. I got, I got dreams. I got aspirations." And he's like trying to push everybody. He's trying to get past everybody. And uh, that that shit was. It's scary and funny all at the same time. And seeing all these different reactions of these people that uh, are are all all these souls that are trying to. <laughs> <laughs> either get acquainted with you know becoming one you know into you know into the great beyond but uh you know that one is uh, you know jamie fox is like asking everybody why is everybody not freaking out you know they're, you know you know it's they're like it's time it's time and uh you know that one guy's like uh, that would be fucking me that that would be fucking me so uh he tries to escape but ends up in the great before where soul counselors all named Jerry uh, prepare unborn souls for life on Je uh Sorry, why am I what am I speaking backwards? Unwilling to die before his big break, he tries to escape but ends up in the great before, where soul counselors all named Jerry prepare unborn souls for life on Earth. 
Joe poses as an instructor who is set to train the souls and is assigned 22, a cynical soul who has remained in the great before for millennia and sees no point in living on earth. 22 reveals that she has a badge that fills up with traits. She needs to find her quote-unquote spark to complete it and says she will give it to Joe so that he can return home. And so um, we're set up with this pretty intricate world. So we got the great beyond, we got the great before, and then we got this whole little system. I, I heard uh, Chris Herman on Double Toast talk about this. He said it feels like this movie feels like if Apple had gotten a hold of the afterlife. And I was thinking about that actually going to the Apple store recently. It's hard to argue with that, to be honest. Um, it really does feel like the the encapsulation of heaven is explained in a way that feels almost corporate. And nothing wrong with that. I thought it was actually kind of funny in the way that they talk about it. Um, they kind of do riffs on like TED Talks and stuff like that. But it does feel kind of like business-like in a modern-day sense. And they have all these people named Jerry, these counselors named Jerry that are pretty funny. And they, they get a lot of jokes out of it. And then they have this other guy named Terry who's trying to, um, you know, make sure that there's balance in all the numbers that are going going into the great beyond, uh, you know, making sure that the, the, the souls coming and going are all lined up. Why? I don't know, you know? So, um, I will say 22, I was very mixed on this character at the very first scene. And I will say, I think the first scene was her worst and it only got better, which is a compliment in my opinion. I was just like, this character is either going to make it or break this movie. And it absolutely worked. I think she, I think she works for the most part. Now keep in mind, I think this movie was made at least two. I mean, he said he's began developing this in 2016. This movie does feel very much that it's before the BLM movement. Nothing, that it has anything to do with it. And I don't, people are like, oh, hell, you brought up BLM. It's like, no, it's not about that. It's, it's, I feel like since Black Lives Matter came out, that there had really been a push to show more of the culture. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what I want to be shown. I want to be, uh, I, I want them to, sh to show representation you know and so this movie does feel like it skirts the line in a way just barely so um yeah there's a lot of things that are going on with the great uh great beyond great before we got this whole little system about the badges that need to be completed and you need a spark for her to um to give it to joe to return home at that point, I remember watching that. I was like, "This is a tad convoluted," but I'm like, "Okay, I'm still, I'm still with you. I'm still with you." And so, um, you know, continuing on, 
Joe tries to assist 22 in finding a passion, but attempts prove futile. With no other options, <clears throat> 22 takes him out to, quote-unquote, the zone, an area that people enter when their passion sets them into a euphoric trance. It also houses the lost souls who become obsessed. Um, they meet Moonwind, a sign twirler who enters the zone to rescue lost souls. He agrees to help Joe return to his body, and that, and they, and they learn that Joe's falling down the manhole sent him into a coma. Joe excitingly hops back to Earth, but accidentally brings twenty-two with him, resulting in twenty-two entering his body, and Joe ending up in the body of a therapy cat. <clears throat> so. This was the other part where I was like, this is where it's getting very convoluted for me. I don't know if it was just me that just feels dumb, but I was like, hmm, this is this is when it starts to become a little convoluted about being um, being in the zone and having these other you've uh, you know, these other um, lost souls who have become obsessed. I felt like it was a little bit muddled about how everyone became like a lost soul was it a was it a good thing was it a, was it a bad thing because it says like people enter the euphoric trance when they are on their passion too much and we do see that stockholder i will say that was a hilarious scene where he's like make a trade make a trade make a trade you know he's uh he's pretty damn funny when it comes down to having that sector of uh you know, becoming too passionate about something. But I guess I got a little confused about, you know, what are all the people that are too passionate about something? I mean, the sign twirler just looked like he was baked, I'll be honest. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, I liked that character. I liked the music they played with him. I, it, it felt very, you know, synthy, almost Mr. Robot-ish. Um, you know, we, we covered that, by the way. Check that out later. Um, so, yeah, I do like Moonwind. I do feel like the zone and these lost souls become a little bit muddled of an idea, but I'm like, okay, so, okay, there's lost souls. People get too endeared in their passion and okay. Now he agrees to help him to his body. Um, it's like, okay. And that happens. I do feel like the rules of the world feel kind of just like whatever they need them to be at the time they need to be them. Um, that's one thing I feel like, Pixar is normally really good about having the rules of the world. It's like the bridge, the bridge, sorry, the bridge in uh, uh, Coco about, you know, you know, which side were they on felt very specific. It didn't feel like there was any question about, all right, so, you know, can you enter the zone? Can you enter your body? Is it legal to enter the body? Do you need, do you need a, a spark to get a trait that fills up your, your, passport pass like what is going on that that was the biggest thing for me i was just like okay so there's these very specific rules but except it does feel like there's alternative ways to get what you need to be done uh in this world in this world so i'm just like all right so what are the rules to this world it's like 
you know, does does Moonwind just have the the power to help people enter and exit people's bodies, which just feels like is he God or something? Like, what is the um or a godlike figure? It's 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 like the guy that's you know doing those hip thrust is <laughs> is is it that guy? So um yeah, this is where it becomes more of a convoluted movie for me. I'm just gonna say that. Except when we jump into th the therapy cat, I think this becomes um, one or two, one of two things. People are either going to think it's a gimmick, or one of two people are going to say is is, is hilarious. Um, I do kind of tread down the middle of Tina Fey voicing um, Joe Gardner for like forty minutes of the movie, maybe thirty minutes of the movie, and it's a fun little. Uh, get up that happens but I do feel like in a way it wasn't a hundred percent respectful to it I could see how people could have a problem with it I didn't feel like they did anything necessarily offensive with it I don't feel like anybody should be like offended by a white woman voicing a black man but it's it's the the body swap thing is what's is what's weird about it um and this is where I said it feels a little bit like it was created after the Black Lives Matter movement. There's not really a realization of um, Tina Fey being in the body of Joe Gardner. I do understand that she's had she has these experiences that make her want to that make her have her spark, that make her want to be alive on the world and you know on on earth and stuff like that totally get that i'm not sure if that's going to land with everyone it didn't like upset me like i was trying to think if if a white woman had inhabited like uh, a latin man and then she you know is thinking about becoming a, a real person at one point you know what would be the uh cultural impacts that she would experience in my body versus uh, you know a different ethnicity body a different you know person of a dif different ethnicity um so i was trying to think of it in that way and i can't say like i was like mad about like i i don't i wasn't mad about that any of that i could i can just see people saying you know what this was probably not the best idea but also I think that they did it about as cleanly as possible. I don't think they could have given too much of a cultural background for her to like really understand. It's like, oh, I'm living in your shoes kind of thing. It's like, I think they did it about as cleanly as possible. Like, you know, it, as, as, as Disney-fied as possible and still had a really fun time watching um, uh, Jamie Foxx as a cat and Tina Fey as Joe Gardner. I felt like there was... A great dynamic for the 20 30 minutes that it's going on um and so let's see meanwhile terry an accountant de uh, designated to counting souls headed to the great beyond finds the count off and convinces the jerry's to let her go into earth to search for the missing soul i think it's to let him go i don't know why it says her um to let to let Terry go down into earth for the missing soul. Um, I love the, the design and characters of Jerry and Terry. 
The designs of both worlds are very aesthetically pleasing, least from the character design, from the the eccentric hair that they have on the black characters, all the way to the specific nooks and crannies that you go into the clubs and stuff like that. You see real jazz artists uh, rendered in animated form, and you really get lost in this world. I think, you know, besides the point, the fact that the story is a little bit muddled here and there and a little bit convoluted and kind of convenient at some points. I think the 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 detail in it absolutely makes up for it and makes it makes me want to return to this movie, makes me want to return to this world. Um, see, I, I can't really say it, you know, more specifically than that, but, uh, you know, from the simplistic designs of Jerry and Terry all the way to the specific designs of uh, the black characters that are shown in this absolutely beautiful it, it, it feels uh, uh, like you're looking at a moving piece of art like a moving uh, painting of some sort I mean when someone's playing the uh, saxophone I mean honestly I it didn't I didn't think about it twice that I felt like I was watching the real thing I mean I cannot in the future it's going to be impossible to tell when we have uh, Pixar style animation available everywhere i mean it's it's just going to be uh, incredible just the photorealism they have um it feels like they just took the photo they took a photo and made it move so 22 and joe escape from uh, escape the hospital initially frightened 22 settles in joe's body and finds great enjoyment in the things in life they kind of shorten that little bit right there but i will say i was giggling the whole time all this was happening i just think that the animation and all this really worked um, from uh, kind of a slapstick standpoint. It really kind of gets the viewers, uh, you know, head up and whatnot. Um, I I was I was you know curious about where they were going to take this. They head to Joe's apartment where Connie, one of Joe's students, arrives to tell him that she's quitting the band. She was incredible at the beginning. I will say I really enjoyed the diversity in the band. And that's exactly how my band felt when they showed at the beginning. I remember people didn't give a shit about it. The jazz teacher was trying her best. Um, or the jazz teacher. It was just the band teacher. Miss um, Ratchford. She was always trying her best. And... Um, you know, band was nasty. I just remember the, the, the room was nasty. The floor was nasty. Had the woodwinds with all these wood sticks everywhere. Slopping the sticks. It was disgusting. I was just like, I remember this so well that the detail of the candy on the floor. I wasn't the one eating the candy, but damn, I just remember it being there. And I was, it, it was fucking disgusting. So, um, you know, and there always was. Uh, you know, a Connie in the class that was just so good and she didn't ever feel like she was supposed to be there. And I love this scene of him teaching her and him like, you know, encouraging her to, you know, stay there and find her passion. And so before leaving, Connie plays a passionate trombone solo, stunning 22 in Joe's body, who convinces her of the talent she has and that music is for her. Happy, Connie thinks... Joe and sorry, thanks Joe and leaves having changed her mind about quitting the band. 
They go to get a haircut where 22 holds a deep, poignant conversation. Okay, so um, this little scene with uh, Jamie Foxx, uh, the cat, trying to, like, buzz Joe's hair. Oh, my gosh. I was dying laughing. I was fucking, like, all my lantern. These little paws. <laughs> I'd be so fucking pissed. And so I just, it was one of. It was one of the many scenes I wish I had watched this in theaters. Honestly, this movie would have been so good in theaters. It's, it's just a, a beautiful movie to watch as well as experience. I think that there's multiple times in this movie that you want to be surrounded with, uh, you know, a large group of people. Um, so they go to get a haircut where 22 holds a deep, poignant conversation with Dez, the barber. After 22... Okay, so, and there's a lot of detail within this barber scene. Um, uh, Double Toasted, one of my favorite podcasts, went in depth about why this scene really matters and how probably Kemp Powers was the one to, um, you know, suggest a lot of the detail on this because you have to go to a black barber shop to have this kind of experience from the, the point of, you know, there's a line out the door, there's people sitting everywhere, there's the the barber that no one ever wants to go to and you know there's the guy that's always talking and making deals and then there's the the posters on the wall that tell you what kind of styles you want very specific uh, tribe called uh called quest in uh in the background it, it they had they covered their cylinders you know they they knew what they were talking about when they said uh, let's go to the barbershop and so um after the barbershop um, after 22 rips Joe's pants while bending down, the duo go to seek uh, Liba to have it fixed, his mother. Joe reconciles with his mother with a deep, poignant conversation, who finally accepts Joe's passion for music and offers him his lattes. Sorry, sorry, his latte. Offers him his late father's old suit. Um, I gotta say that I love the, the subtle transition of Jamie Foxx talking through the cat to um, Joe, um, which is Tina Fey at that time. And the transition is very subtle. It's just like this camera pan behind um, behind his mother's back. And it's, uh, it's enough for the viewer to understand that uh, Joe is talking through the cat, but he's also got full control of his body not full control he's just saying things and um it's really coming out and resonating with his mother and so um yeah i i also find it pretty funny that they he's just carrying this cat everywhere um 22 is in joe's body so um yeah it's a great conversation it feels like it means a lot once again this is one of many scenes to describe that this is no longer uh this is no longer a kid's film it's a family film as a matter of fact it's probably one of the most mature adult pixar films that you can you'll you'll come across uh it's the closest to inside out which was the spiritual successor of uh, sorry this feels like the spiritual successor of inside out which inside out feels like the golden child of movies when it sh when it's coming to uh express coming of age and emotions and expressions 
it's all wrapped up in that movie. This feels like a more specific time um, in that movie world almost. Plus, it also deals with a sprinkle of uh, mortality as well. And just, uh, I think it says determinism, like what you ultimately want to do in life. So, before uh, Moonwind can restore Joe, 22, who both experiences an epiphany and decides she must find her, uh, sorry, 22 experiences an epiphany and decides she must find her purpose on Earth. She refuses to proceed with Joe's restoration um, as she flees with Joe's tailing behind. Terry catches up and brings both back to the great before. This little cat and mouse game of um, Joe and um, uh, Terry and stuff like that uh, is all a lot of fun. I love the little designs of Terry coming down to the real world. It's the crossover on worlds that are a lot of fun. Um, and I love seeing them jump to the earth from the great before, I believe. That, that was always a lot of fun to watch in the different times that Joe is actually doing it is hilarious. You know, when he's finding out that he can't go all the way to the earth without, um, you know, some special magic, I guess to happen. And, uh, uh, it, it, that's always pretty funny, especially when he's grabbing all these, you know, the little guys that are in the great before, um, the little blue, blue ball, uh, people at the beginning he's grabbing them and he's like going to earth he's like ah it's like going to the the earth and um you know he pops back into the great before it's just uh it's hilarious and he tries to ride one down it's like <laughs> um so anyways um let's see let's see let's see as she flees with uh, sorry as she flees with joe tailing behind Terry catches up and brings both of them to the great before where 22 sees that her badge has been filled out. However, Joe tells, tells her that his experiences and tastes earned that earn the badge. Angry 22 tosses the badge at Joe and disappears into the zone. Joe learns from a Jerry that instead of a life's purpose, a spark simply means that a soul is ready to live. He heads back to Earth and has a successful first performance with the Dorothea Quartet. However, the experience does not fulfill him the way he thought it would and feels disappointed. It won't be as special as before now that he will repeat it constantly in Dorothea's tour. Realizing his selfish Sorry, his senseless and selfish ways with 22, he decides to go back to help her. Honestly, I did not read that into his last performance. I thought he felt very satisfied with what he had done. I didn't think that I felt that he was regretful in doing this or taking the position. Like, I thought he was like, yeah, I want to do this. I, yeah, I, I earned this position because he did he was badass he 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 did the whole thing um so i definitely did not get that he was uh you know feeling selfish or any way like that i do feel like he wanted to help 22 though 
So inspired by the objects 22 collected while in his body. And now remember that they are like sharing memories at this point. And Tina Fey can just remember times and Joe's life at, at, at certain points. I think she's just like remembering things in his, in his head. Like one of the women that he used to like talk about, like, does she remember like the sex he's had? Like, does she remember like all the stuff that Joe, like body swaps always get a little funky when you start talking about the sex. Um, so <laughs> keep that in mind. So inspired by the objects 22 collected while in his body, Joe plays the piano to enter the zone. You've now entered the zone. Sounds like a cool radio station. Um, and look for 22, who is now a lost soul. Why is she a lost soul? Is Hold on. Let me see. Okay, so the last... She's... I thought she, it was a... A lost soul was something that was only there. Hold on. Okay. A passion sets them in a euphoric trance or loss. It also houses lost souls who've become obsessed. Did she become in a euphoric trance or a obsessed? I don't feel like she became either one of those. So just they just kind of threw her there, in my opinion. Maybe she became obsessed with, you know, being alive or something like that. Let y'all let me know in the comments what y'all thought. Um, so yeah, she's regardless. She's now a lost soul, and remember seeing how the stock guy came and went, and how they were showing like when they were going through the lost uh, the zone. I guess, um, uh, it, it's it's just really cool to see them become these kind of like almost monsters ink creatures this cyclops looking so anyway she's now turning into a lost soul he tries to return her badge but remains 22 remains hopeless and broken about her purpose using a small maple seed that 22 had collected joe convinces that she is ready to live and she returns to normal Small oh, small maple seed that 22 had collected. It was the tiny little seed that had flown down and uh, fallen in her hand when she was Joe. So she convinces her to live. She returns to normal. Her badge, uh, with her badge back, 22 finally enters Earth with Joe accompanying her for as long as he can. This was a really sweet scene. I really liked this scene. Um, I actually was watching this with Kelly, and Kelly was like, I really hope we get to see um 22's body i didn't even think about um what 22 would look like as a real person i like does 22 come to earth now as a baby is that is 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 that what i'm getting i, I kind of was a little bit um fuzzy on the logistics of her coming to earth like i assume she wasn't going to just you know pop into a cat body or another joe body but um you know, I, I guess she's going to show up as a baby. But anyways, um, so yeah, she enters Earth, and I love the scene of, you know, Joe accompanying her. As he prepares to head into the great beyond, Joe is stopped by a Jerry who tells him that he has inspired him, inspired them, and will give him another chance at life. Joe thanks them and returns to his body back on Earth, now with the intent to live his life to the fullest. Now, I gotta say that there was numerous times that the Jerry's were 
all of a sudden telling Joe that, you know, oh, you don't want to, um, you don't want to help 22, then we can just take you to the, uh, the portal. You know, we, we can take you straight to the great beyond. That's all we, oh, oh, that's all you want. It was almost used like a threat in a way. And I think any other context or a lot of other people's might say, well, you know, Joe might've wanted to just go to the great beyond and say, fuck it. You know, he's tired. He doesn't want to do this shit anymore. <laughs> he doesn't want to take care of 22's, uh, crazy ass. Um, you know, hyperbolic ass. I don't even know how to explain it. But anyways, um, yeah, I, I kind of felt like they were using the great beyond a little bit fast and loose as like a, as like a joke slash, you know, you don't want to go back. And it's like, all right, it feels like Joe's, Joe's character is pretty much wrapped up at the end of this. And I almost kind of wanted an obscure ending i understand for the fact that it's a family movie that we're not going to have you know uh, death be the one all be all kind of thing for this uh the ending of the movie but the way that they just say that they give him another chance at life by you know tricking jerry to look the other way it's like that's that's what happened like i felt like they might have had one or two explanations about how they were going to end this movie maybe he there was a there was a script where he actually did die or something had happened or uh i'm not really sure that to be honest this was this would be an extremely difficult movie to to land and end on a, a positive note without you know going too sentimental i guess um you know, it's almost like make every day count kind of thing. But I still feel like I for as detailed as the movie was and, you know, when the, the hilarious. So, so it's really funny, but it's also dramatic, you know, with uh, the comedy being, you know, the the random cuts to them talking about, you know, was Abraham Lincoln always uh, honest kind of thing. That shit was so fucking funny. He's like Jackson, and so, <laughs> so I just uh, I enjoyed those random cuts to those types of um, pieces of comedy. But with how serious they were taking this movie, I was like, yeah, this ending feels a little false. And so, kind of going back and looking at the majority of the movie. Yes, I enjoyed the hell out of the movie. I think it's, from a technical standpoint, one of the best movies of the year. Um, you know, highly rewatchable, just like many of the Pixar films. It's going up there with the top ten, probably. Um, I, you know, I like it better than uh, a lot of the uh, additional Toy Stories that have come out. I just feel like this is way more original, and it's a lot more fun. And the body swap part of it's... Uh, you know, possibly problematic in some areas, but uh, for the most part, I found it pretty funny. Um, you know, I'm not going to, you know, tell somebody whether or not they should like this movie more than they shouldn't. I just hope that this review helps explain and give a few reasons why I liked it. I also noticed that there weren't any shorts b before the uh, uh, Pixar movie. I really wanted to see another short. I love the Disney shorts that happened um, before um, all the Pixar movies. 
So, um, so let me see. Let's play the place. Let me see. Yeah, I think that is just about it. Um, so, wow. Okay, so hold on. Let me see this. Pixar was mindful of history of racist imagery and animation and set out to create characters who are recognizably black while avoiding stereotypes and old cartoons. Acknowledging this effort, Doctor stated that there's a long and painful history of caricatured racist design tropes that were used to mock African-American or black individuals. Um, uh, according to Powers, the animators used lighting as a way to highlight the ethnic diversity in the living world. Pixar sought to capture the fine details of these black characters, um, including the textures of black hair and the way that light plays on various tones of black skin. Cinematographer Bradford Young worked as a light lighting consultant on the film. Um, he is a black cinematographer who's best known for working on Selma and When They See Us, a, mo a most violent year in Solo, a Star Wars story. Oh, and Arrival. This guy has got some work under his belt. My God. Young guy, too, only at 43. So, yeah, I will say that the, uh, the, um, the skin tone and, and the way that um, how detailed the people look in, in character in character form is just phenomenal i mean these are beautiful people that they have drawn and um you know i want to see more representation like this and so yeah thank you let me know what you thought about soul the movie review from the lucky dog podcast be sure to rate share subscribe lucky dog podcast you know what to do five stars on itunes it's the only way we can get up there in the charts in the streaming charts and the whatever charts and the and the soul charts and the disney charts um yeah we can get this um podcast um live on twitch you can get it mastered on soundcloud you can get it early on patreon and on youtube and uh yeah remember generally um podcasts are gonna go straight to um spoiler free only and patreon will have the uh, spoiler section coming up in 2021 keep that in mind so all of that will be linked in the description be sure to join the facebook group we have some funny videos we're always showing on there um right now we're streaming on twitch thank you to everyone that has checked out the twitch channel and is uh subscribed and followed on there any way that you can support the Luggedaw podcast any way that i can improve let me know how i can do that um i hope everyone is trying to end this um, 2020 crazy year on a positive note. I uh, just wanted to let you know that we are here right there with no you. Smell, no and taste so, or yeah. touch. Love you guys. See? Y'all take it easy. Okay, I get it. Wow. It's my life. Is all this living really worth dying for? You're still alive? Can you help me get back? No way! There I am. What are we waiting for? Wait, not me! Hmm, this weird. What is it? 151,000 souls go into the great beyond every day. And I count every single one of them. The count's off. Huh.